all you spooky listeners. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Morbid Curiosity, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Nicole. I'll be taking you through some of the most heinous, shocking, and morbid crimes, including, of course, the paranormal. Listener discretion is advised. Don't forget to check me out on Instagram at morbid, period, curiosity, period, TC podcast where you can find photos related to our cases, including crime scene photos on occasion, of course, with the exception of postmortem photos. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy. Hey guys, thanks for coming back for episode number 36. Before we get started, I would love to give you some information for safety. I don't care what you identify as. Um, Women, men, they, them, however you identify yourself. You always need to be aware of your surroundings. And I say this all the time. And, you know, a lot of my friends get tired of hearing this. But, you know, you have to remain aware. I don't care if it's a partnership of 10 years, a partnership of 3 months. It doesn't really matter because abuse, whether it be stalking, physical abuse, mental abuse, etc. Can happen at any point in time in your relationship. And I'm here to tell you some information from the hotline.org, which is not sponsored, just throwing it out there. For all of my people that listen to the podcast, here's some information for you. So everyone knows the term stalking, but what is it really? According to the U.S. Justice Department, study on stalking and DV. Quote, stalking refers to harassing or threatening behavior that an individual engages in repeatedly, such as following a person, appearing at a person's home or place of business, making harassing phone calls, leaving written messages or objects, or vandalizing a person's property. Now, these actions may or may not be a credible threat of serious harm and may or may not be precursors to an assault or murder, end quote. The study found most stalking occurs after a victim leaves a relationship. Women are significantly more likely to be stalked by a spouse, an ex-spouse, rather than a stranger, acquaintance, relative, or friend. Now, of course, this varies state to state. You'll have to reach out to local law enforcement in your area or go to National Stalking Awareness Month website to see about specific laws in your area, okay? And what I mean by it varies is the legal definition of stalking varies per state. Now, according to statistics published by the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, 76% of women murdered by an intimate partner was stalked first. In addition, 85% of women who survived murder attempts were stalked. Additionally, 89% of femicide victims have been physically assaulted and stalked in the last year. And you're probably like, Nicole, please just shut up and get to the episode. Please, we want to hear our episode. Well, listen, as those percentages you know, speak for themselves, you may be a part of the statistics. So I am trying to help you. So let's just do a little bit more research together before we start the episode. So now 
We know stalking includes a variety of behaviors and tactics, etc. Some more threatening than others, some appear innocent, not worth mentioning. Now, document anything that makes you feel afraid or uncomfortable. No matter how small it seems, stalking can be physical or digital, because God knows we're in the digital age nowadays. Some of these tactics include making repeated or unwanted phone calls or texts, sending unwanted letters or emails, following you, spying on you, showing up wherever you are without a legitimate reason to be there, driving by or waiting around at places you frequent such as home, work, or school, leaving or sending unwanted items, presents, flowers for you to find, posting information or spreading rumors about you on the internet, in a public place, or by word of mouth. Looking through your properties, such as your trash cans, your mail, your cars. Collecting information about you using public records, online search services, or hiring PIs. Monitoring your phone calls, emails, social media, or computer use, or even your phone use. Utilizing technology like hidden cameras, GPS to track you. And threatening to hurt you, your family, your friends, or your pets. Now, this list does not include every behavior a stalker might use, okay, but you kind of get the gist. As stalking tactics impact the intended victim the most. Now, threats of violence may be implicit or explicit. Remember, even if stalker behavior is not illegal in your state, their behavior is still abusive. Just know that you are not alone, okay? Nearly 3 in 10 women, that's 29%, and 1 in 10 men, that's 10%, in the U.S. alone have experienced rape, physical violence, or stalking by a partner, and it has been reported to have been an impact on their functioning. There is nothing you can say or do to deserve this kind of treatment in any way, shape, or form. It is never your fault. It is a tactic that all of these abusers use to intimidate and frighten you to regain their power and control over you. Did you know most people in an abusive relationship or in a stalking situation, with it being past partners, current partners, etc., that you may be trying to get rid of, um, they tend to go back to their abuser to see if that will stop these tactics and they don't so try to avoid going back at all costs there are resources out there for you guys so let's just go over some safety planning tips that may help you in that situation so guys if you suspect that you do have a stalker now, statistically or not, whether you know this person or not, be sure not to do the same thing daily. If you go to a grocery store, same time every day, same grocery store, etc., etc., do not do that. Change your routine, your banks, your routes to home, to work. Change it, change it, change it, change it. Do not travel alone and use a buddy system if possible. Always, 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 right? Kind of like how we do a lady's trip to the bathroom. Just make sure you have a buddy system. Stay in public areas. Don't go off into the woods or don't go off on a hike or camping or whatever. 
by yourself because that is more, you know, susceptible for something to happen. Notify your friends and family. I personally tell my mom whatever I do daily and I'm 28 years old. <laughs> like she always knows what I'm doing and if I don't respond, she immediately starts contacting people, right? Me, my husband, etc. So now develop a code word. So if you text someone, whether it be a friend or family, and you say purple or something, they will know, hey, this person is here around me. I see them. I need help. They can call the police. They can do something when you guys sit, you know, sit down, make a plan, be like, hey, this is what I need you to do. And if I say purple, I need you to do this, this, and this. They have a plan, right? Install home security, deadbolts, window locks, gates, cameras, etc. Motion activated outdoor lights also uh, if they're stalking you around the house. Uh, very, very important to keep yourself safe. Also, this one... This one's kind of eh with me, um, only because I've read so many reports, so many cases where the women have, not just women, excuse me, just anyone who's been in this situation, and they go to the police, and they're like, oh my god, I'm being stalked, the police don't take it serious, next thing you know, they're on the news. Um, this one may or may not help you, and that's just me being real with you, but make a police report, get a protective order, that's not going to prevent stalking, I can go ahead and tell you that much, um... It may or may not, but mostly, most of the time it does not. But it will allow you to report any violations that this person may do, um, contacting you, coming up to your home, etc. Um, this will increase the likelihood that the stalker will eventually face legal consequences. That depends on your department, honestly. But those are some safety tips for you when traveling or doing your daily routine. For anyone being online stalked or harassed, block, 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 block. That's all I can say. Block their phone numbers, block their friends, their family, social media accounts, emails, phone numbers, etc., etc., etc. We are in the day and age of digital world. We are no longer emails, letters, you know, it's, it's a digital world. They can keep remaking their... Um, their profiles, their emails, changing their number. It's a little bit harder to block them completely from online stuff. But think about changing your usernames daily. Or making it to where you can't search your email or phone number online. Um, you know, change your stuff constantly. Keep your, all of your electronics, not just your phone. I was about to say your phone. Keep everything updated on your internet security so like um your firewalls your uh you know just electronic security software all in general um also check your electronic devices for spyware because there is stuff people can buy and place on your phone normally when you're in a relationship or around that person and you leave your phone with them they can install that spyware in like a minute or less like that stuff gets serious so, check your phone for spyware and find out if your state has cyber stalking or online harassment laws, which you can take action on. Also, if you believe you are experiencing stalking, document as much as possible as you can. Doesn't matter if it's like, oh, there's a random flower on my porch that's not worth mentioning. It is worth mentioning. Very much so. 
document everything, okay? Save the evidence for your safety plan. Emails, texts, voicemails, letters, social media comments, um, everything and anything, save it. Screenshot, screenshot, screenshot. And if you don't know how to screenshot, have someone show you. Do not respond to your stalker. Do not. Because this can either... It can go two ways. They can get a little bit... They can get more obsessed or they can go over the top. Do not contact your stalker. Period. There's no excuse for you to contact them. You should not be saying, hey, stop bothering me. Stop texting me. Stop doing this. It is safer to not respond, period. Do not respond. I don't know how, how much more I can say that. Do not respond. Okay. Now, also, please, please, please remember this is not your fault. People are crazy. You know, abusive individuals are charismatic and manipulative. They can normally get away with a lot. Now, once you've communicated your boundaries and asked them to cease contact like the first time, and I just said don't respond, but, you know, that first time you're going to be like, excuse me, leave me alone, you know, that's a normal thing. But don't keep responding is what I mean. Now, you don't owe them any further communication. You say, hey, stop, leave me alone, bye, that's it, period. Don't don't contact them again. Um, Some, you know... Creative safety planning tips you can do. Keep your shades and curtains closed, especially because they can just ride by and look. You know, it's not that hard to see if you're home or not. Um, I would always park in the garage if you have a garage to park in. Do not ever park outside and walk into your house if you can help it. Um, Display a sign with the name of your security system in the front yard or window. Now... You know, back when I was a kid, um, we would have a sign, but we didn't really have anything. So, you know, that does also deter things. Just saying, throwing that out there. Also, tell your homeowners association or neighborhood watch about you being stalked. And if you don't feel comfortable about it being public, mention that you've seen a suspicious person. Like, hey, I saw this person outside my house the other day and, you know, it made me very uncomfortable. You know, that kind of thing. Make someone aware. Describe the make, model, and license plate of the number of any vehicles you know that the stalker uses so others can warn you if they see that person. So if you have a neighbor that you've known for like five years, be like, hey, this car, if you see that outside, let me know. You know, easy as that. Now, um, also, you can ask your landlord or neighbor to randomly check the property, which I've had done since I was a kid. Um, ensure that your bank and doctor's offices have password protections for your information. Call anyone that you go to. Like, let's say it's a, it's a husband that you haven't been able to divorce yet. Maybe there was one time where he was able to answer a phone call and listen to your medical information. Like, you know, some spouses do that. So make sure that you go back through all of your doctors, all of your et cetera's, You know, and be like, hey, only me. Nobody can access my information. Period. That's it. Um, By giving a trusted friend the key, you can ask them to randomly water your plants, feed your cat. This can increase the likelihood of catching the stalker. So, 
you know, they accidentally get caught by somebody else in a way. Um, make your house harder for the stalker to enter by getting a dog that barks. Um, it's very good advice. Um, like I said, this is all on the hotline.org. Um, if you get a loud animal, especially like a big dog, the likelihood of even just a burglar, burglary, always get tongue tied guys, sorry. Even just that, even a break in decreases. Not all the time. It still happens, but it, it will decrease. People are just terrified of dogs. They can really like hurt somebody, you know? Install bells, chimes at all of your entrances and exits, front door, garage door, basement door, whatever, anywhere anybody can get into. Ask your coworkers to screen your calls, add encrypted passwords to your phone, your email. If you su uh, suspect spyware has been installed on any device, buy a new one. Just buy a new one if you can. If money is available, buy a new one. Even just a burner phone would be fine. Um, so, I mean, the only other thing that you can do uh, when a stalker frequents your neighborhood, request an officer to patrol the area. Give an anonymous, anonymous tip about a suspicious person in your area if you see a pattern. Like that minivan has passed like four times in four nights and they don't live in your area. Uh, better call and just let somebody know. Now, if you think you're a victim of stalking and need safety planning assistance, um, the advocates for the hotline.org are there for you 24-7. They chat, they talk, they text. They give you options and support you through this time. You deserve a life of freedom from abuse and fear. Um, they are there to support you 24-7. Like I said, you can call them at 1-800-799-7233 or chat at thehotline.org. To text, you will send a text saying start to 88788. Everybody, please stay safe and let's get into our episode. Orsha Yagal was born in Budapest, Hungary, September 12, 1969, per a Facebook post that I personally found on her Facebook. She was known as a loving daughter, mother, wife, and friend. She was 51 years old, her husband Howard Klein, 53 to 54, his information has been kept private, along with their two sons, Jamie and Leo, who all lived in a five-bedroom, $2.2 million home in Forest Hills, Queen, New York, and per a neighbor, they lived there for about nine years. Per independent.co.uk, Howard founded boutique financial advisory firm RK Equities in 2002. He spent five years working as an investment banker in Hungary and was a Bachelor of Arts in Economics from the University of Michigan and had an MBA in Finance from Columbia University. He is an expert on all natural resources including gold, iron ore, and lithium and speaks regularly at investment conferences according to an online profile. As far as I know, even to now, 2023, he still does so. As far as their kids go, their firstborn son was Jamie, who was born in 2005, who was 17 at the time of the murder, Leo, who was 13 at the time, and was born later in 2009.
Orshaya also had a sibling of her own, which she had a sister, Christina Gall, who she frequently contacted and met up with per her Facebook posts and photos, which Christina had gotten recently married in 2021, where Orshaya had went to. Um, she was only about a year and a half younger than Orshaya, and per her sister, they grew up in a small town and lived a very happy childhood together. She was just a normal woman trying to enjoy her life with friends and family. She was fluent in English and Hungarian and a student of Budapest Business School College of International Management and Business. Per her Facebook, which I looked up, they include traveling, music, hiking, learning, photography, art, musical theater, and seeing friends, among others. After Urshalia passed, per cbsnews.com, there was a few people that commented about knowing her and how they would describe her. This is two quotes that I found. Blankson described her as a dedicated mother who was planning her son's bar mitzvah. Quote, she was super friendly. We had had a chat about whatever was going on. We'd always talk about our kids, end quote. Residents in the neighborhood said that they will miss their loving neighbor. Quote, she was a very happy woman, always smiling, always joking. She loved life. End quote. Now, speaking of traveling and her hobbies, I just kind of wanted to go over some of the places that she visited. Because to me, I've never visited anywhere. And I thought these places are kind of cool that she went to. So this is a list that she went to per ConanDaily.com. So, she visited Budapest in August 2011 and April 2012. In December 2011, she visited Providential Turks and Caicos. In August 2016, she went to Beijing, China. December 2016, she visited Steamboat Springs, Roth County, Colorado, USA. From December 2018 to October 2019, she visited different parts of Guatemala, in November 2019, she visited the Hungarian House of New York in New York City. And in August 2021, she visited different parts of Croatia. So she loved to travel. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, if you go to her Facebook profile, which some are public, some are not, um, you can see different photos of her travels. I could not include all of them because when I clicked on her photos, there was like 600 and something photos. So I could not include all of that in 11 slides today. So some are on Instagram, but most of them will be on her Facebook profile. Just Google her name. You'll see it. Now, Urshalia was 52 at the time of her passing. She had blonde hair, brown eyes, approximately weighed 114 pounds, and was 5'4". So, tidbit of information, which may or may not have been important during their investigation. I tell you, this is the hardest case I've had to try to research. Because most of this, just based on Howard's, like, celebrity status, technically. Because he's, like, this big CEO of the company. Most of this is very hard to find online. So I had to really dig for like hours on this case. Anywho, um, Orshalia had been reported missing in 2020, like May 29th. Um, 
Howard called 911 around 721, reported her missing, telling cops that she went for a walk around 1230 a.m., still not back. And that was per the post. Now, whether that had any dictation in the investigation after she was found deceased, we have no idea. I just thought it was important to put it in here just in case you guys had an opinion on it. So... Let's get into the timeline of what we know about what happened the unfortunate night of uh, 2022. So the timeline goes like this. Orshalia was in the backyard Friday afternoon with the fam. Um, a neighbor saw them and was like, eh, normal family. You know, that's what they said to the Post when interviewed. On Friday and Saturday, Howard and Jamie were away in Oregon to a college tour, and Orshalia and Leo were home. Um, the cops believe he remained in the home Friday into Saturday without leaving. Now, mind you, they were home together. She left to go out with her friends in Manhattan. So, just keep that in mind. The kid was home by himself for a little bit. Um, not really our main point, but just so you get an idea. Um... From what I could find in the reports, he was upstairs. So I'm assuming the um, his room was upstairs in the household somewhere in that five-bedroom area. Now, Orshalia returned home after midnight on Friday, you know, like Saturday morning. And uh, she was not alone. Um, the killer had also came home with her. Um, this man stabbed her 60 times, neck, torso, left arm, probably some other places that I could not find anywhere online besides that general specific area, um, before stuffing her into a black Bauer hockey duffel bag, which was her son's. After stuffing her remains into said duffel bag, the suspect dragged it from the side door of the family home throughout the neighborhood, yes on the sidewalk in front of neighbors houses rolling it down the freaking street leaving behind a trail of blood yep i said it now video surveillance luckily somebody had a video doorbell it caught a shadowy figure rolling the duffel bag down the sidewalk on 75th avenue around five or excuse me 4 30 in the morning Saturday, about four blocks from the home. Now, April 16th, 2022, the bag with her remains were found around eight in the morning. Like, that's a crazy way to start a morning, right? This man um, named Glenn Van Nostren, I hope I said his last name right. I did look it up. Don't come for me. He was 51, out strolling around with his dogs. Um, told the Post that at first he was like, ah, bag with a mannequin. Interesting. And he got a little curious. I'm not sure if that's because there was blood all around this bag, but he peeked inside and saw a woman. Uh, black ankle length jeans, a belt, and saw that she was in a fetal position. Now, he also mentioned she was head first in this bag. Now, after he was like, yeah, don't really know what to make of this. Maybe I should touch it just to make sure. Um, he touched her body 
and discovered it was super cold to the touch. Immediately, he stepped back from the bag, dialed 911, and dispatchers received the call around 8.02 in the morning. Now, while he waited for police to arrive, he snapped a few pictures of the bag. This is his quote, quote, that's when it all really hit me emotionally. I could feel this unsettling feeling rising through my throat and I felt quite choked up. By this point, my dogs were going crazy. I honestly thought that the body was of a teenage girl because it seemed so small. But I was on the phone to the operator who kept asking me in a number of different ways whether the person was still alive. I kept telling her, no, can you just bring someone down here? End quote. So he discovered her. And if you look on Instagram, it's literally on the side of the road. Like, do you know how many times I pass bags and boxes and coolers and everything? And I'm just like, what if somebody or something is in that thing? Like, you never, never know. Um, some other quotes that I found per an article on thesun.com. Same man, um, Glenn. He also said, quote, it didn't look very fleshy. It was more like a crash test dummy. I thought it was maybe some equipment being used for something. I didn't think anything of it. I thought, oh my goodness, and called the police at 8.05 in the morning and said, there's a body in this bag. But to me, it looked like a mannequin. My personal feeling is a broken heart for whoever this is. It's shocking. My heart was in my throat the entire time, end quote. Now, per the chief medical examiner, she was found to have possible defensive cuts inside of her fingers and her hands. She died from sharp force wounds to her neck, ruling the death a homicide. So to me, I tried to find her autopsy report. Sometimes you get lucky with that, sometimes you don't. I'm assuming with it being a high profile case, especially since the husband is a big CEO, um, that was not released to the public. So, I couldn't find anything more than that. Um, as far as I could find, there was no sexual assault or anything. It was literally just, you know, crazy, crazy stab wounds everywhere. Now, per NewYorkPost.com or NYPost.com, after her discovery... Alright guys, we're going to take a short momentary break. If you haven't already, go use the bathroom, get you a drink, get you some snacks, and then when you come back, we're going to finish this episode. Law enforcement sources suspect that the killer knew Orshalia as, you know, there was no signs of a break-in. Considering such the nature of the crime, how violent it was, they suggested the attack was personal and committed in anger specifically toward her. They believed it to be a crime of passion, not a planned murder. They knew that this was just kind of like, you know, as, as messy as the crime scene was, 
as far as not even just stabbing her in her own house while her son is upstairs but the trail of blood like they literally could have walked out their front door saw this trail of blood from their home and followed it to their mother's body like it's a very messy crime scene now when police arrived at the house later that morning after identifying her finding her and following the trail of blood literally okay they followed the trail of blood back to the house um, they found the 13-year-old son, Leo, on the top floor. He told cops he lived at the location but didn't know where his mom was. Like, he didn't know. Um, he was taken into custody, which I thought was crazy, but, you know, kind of, I guess, um, securing all ideas, you know, making sure. Normally, you know, if the husband's home, they take the husband. It's like... Whoever's at the crime scene, they'll normally interrogate, which is fine, but I'm like 13, it's like, whew, you know, mom's missing and now you're getting drugged to the police station. I mean, that's, it's, it's got to be very anxiety-ridden for that person. So, Now, he was taken into custody. He was brought in, questioned, and released later that day. So they figured out pretty quickly, you know what, you weren't involved. Okay, sorry for your loss. Send you back to family. Now, Howard, if you remember her husband, um, the business owner, okay, he told police he received a threatening text message from his wife's phone after her death stating, quote, your whole family is next, end quote. Now, according to law enforcement sources and WPIX, that's who that's from. Now, per the Post, um, they reached Howard by phone Saturday, not this Saturday, obviously, because this is like 2022, okay? Keep that in mind when I say stuff. Um... He said that he was about to get on a flight bound for New York, adding that his family was in danger. Quote, there are concerns about our safety, our lives are at risk. Now, since returning to New York, Howard has been in touch with police and is staying somewhere else, as one would, because the home is still an active crime scene. Um, law enforcement, you know, had been there processing the scene. They got posted outside the house to make sure nobody comes back. It was a whole mess at the house. Now, police sources had said um, detectives know who Orshalia was out with the night before her death and are reviewing receipts and surveillance footage to track her movements and figure out if she met a, quote, mysterious stranger along the way. It's a mystery. And that's what a NYPD officer said. Now, the post on Sunday also said, quote, now it's a question of piecing together everything she did. So they are in the midst of trying to build their timeline themselves when they did this article. So just keep that in mind. I know it's a little confusing, but per all the articles, some of these I've had to mix around because they were the most helpful. Like I said, the story is not complete on the internet. <laughs> you know, I mean, money kind of keeps things out of the headlines sometimes. So I'm not, I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying like, the family has decided to keep most of this private, so it's very hard to find any information. So, I didn't mean that in a mean way. Um, now, of course, like I said earlier, police had been posted outside the home. They were surrounded in crime scene tape. You know, they had undercover detectives. Um, like, it was, it was a whole thing. They did collect evidence, though, as far as, um, like a iMac computer and like plastic bags and something. It, it was a very short list of what I could find. Now, 
A neighbor said, quote, everybody's on edge because a killer is running around who just butchered someone yards from our homes and they are still at large. And that was Nick Bice. Um, also, the police crime unit mobile laboratory was there all night with the lights flashing. No one slept. And that is per NYPD. Um, like I said earlier, they did find who was in the bag technically because of the blood trail. They tracked the bag all the way back to the house. So, that was one of the informations helping solve the identity of the woman in the bag. Now, just some information that I did learn through various reports, okay? I spent at least four hours looking this case up for you guys, so I'm sorry if it seems like a chopped up mess. I try to piece them all together as best as I could, but like I said, even though this case happened like a year or two ago, um, it's an absolute horrendous mess online, so... It's insane. It's like a puzzle you got to put together yourself, which is fine. I can do it, but in the same term, it's like information gets straddled here and there, and it's it's a hot mess. So just bear with me. Hope you guys are following along. If you don't follow along, let me know. Maybe I can uh, record a summary for you guys. Now, information that I learned during the investigation, um, they offered up rewards. They had posters everywhere um, that you can see on Instagram. They were posted in the area saying that there was a reward up to $3,500 for any information regarding a homicide. Now, to me, I'm not, don't come for me, I'm not blaming the family by no means, but you have a $2.2 million home and you only offered $3,500. Which, you know, like we know though, in some cases, if you offer too much, then you get a buttload of false information which I understand, but at the same time, like, what other efforts were going into solving Orshalia's murder. You know what I mean? Um, an emergency search of the home would uncover blood on the first floor and even more in the basement. Um, they do believe she was murdered in the basement, um, attacked at the front door, went down to the basement kind of thing. Also, they recovered the knife, the murder weapon, that our murderer hid in the home before taking her body out of the house. Um, and while police were investigating, they found a fridge, which was a curious little note on said fridge that said, get a new handyman. We'll get into that in a minute. Now, as far as Orshalia goes, um, before we get into this part, I want to say I am in no way, shape, or form, victim blaming, slut shaming, affair shaming, whatever. I'm just stating the facts that I have found online. Um, unfortunately, you know, a lot of people have extramarital affairs. And unfortunately for Ashalia, she did as well. Um, she did have some skeletons in her closet that she kept from her family that came out later and it all wrapped it in a bow of why she was murdered. Now, um, like I said, please do not come email me like other person, right? Or whatever. On the Bianca Davis case, I had one woman who was an influencer come to me and accuse me of falsifying information 
and saying that I was degrading the victims for being murdered. And to that, I said a big you, okay? And that I always respect our victims with the utmost respect, and I do. I state very blunt facts, and unfortunately, some people are too sensitive, and they take that as me badgering the victims. So, just to make that clear, this is in no way, shape, or form any of what I just said. Fair shaming, slut shaming, blah, blah, blah. I'm not blaming Orshalia for her murder. So, as we continue, just keep that in mind. Now, with that being said, I'm just throwing that out there because I get tired of that hootenanny about me being that way when I'm not. I hate being accused of things. So, um, anywho, with that being said, she did have um, phone records per odyssey.com that she was in contact with four men outside of her marriage. Um, we're not going to get too much into that because to me that doesn't really matter. I don't care what you're doing. You still don't deserve to be murdered, stuffed in a bag, and carried four blocks away from your home. Um, and after we get into the case a little bit more, that had absolutely nothing to do it did a little bit, but it had nothing to do with why she was murdered. It does, but it don't. I'll explain later. Now, um, out of the four men, all were cleared but one. And we'll get into that dude in a minute. Now, she was out at a local bar in Queens the night that she was killed. She waited for 40 minutes because she was waiting to meet someone. They never showed up, so she just left. She went home alone around 12.30 in the morning, and that would be the last time she was seen alive, as the video of the killer would be seen wheeling her down the street in a hockey bag at 4.30 a.m. later that night. Also, one of those men out of the four was apparently hired as the Gall family handyman. Now, from what I could find, it was either in 2019 or 2020, either or, couldn't verify, um, but it is either either year. His name is David Banola. Uh, excuse me. He was 44 years old. Now, he did not work there full time. It was kind of like sporadically, like coming in, coming out kind of thing. Like he had other jobs that he did. Now, per people.com, NYPD Chief of Detectives James Ezek revealed that Orshalia and David had begun an intimate affair two years ago when the handyman started working in the family home. So it was kind of almost immediate, not immediate kind of thing. Now, per the detective work, they found out that they had an on-again, off-again type of relationship. Everybody's had those, whether it be extramarital or not extramarital. Um, you've always had that on-again, off-again type of thing where you're like, eh, maybe we should break it off, eh, maybe we shouldn't. It happens. Whatever. Doesn't really matter. It, it does, but it doesn't. Now, toward the end of the affair, when Orshalia was like, look, we're done. I'm over it. I don't want to talk to you again. I don't want to continue my affair. That sparked the argument in the basement, as well as some other factors that we'll get into. Um, that's when he escalated it and stabbed her, killed her, drug her body out. So David Banola is our murderer. Now, the two allegedly reunited early in the month of April that year, 
but their relationship was considered at an end when she was killed. So just for clarification. So we've already been through her timeline of her murder, what she did before, what she was doing, you know, after she got left from the bar, et cetera, et cetera. We've, we've already discussed all that. So let me tell you something that I did not tell you. So after David dumped her remains on the side of the road inside the hockey bag, he booked it through Forest Park. Now they found a jacket to believed, uh, to be worn by him like they were like eh, it's probably his they also got a pair of boots a t-shirt bloody bandages by someone um that were also supposedly david's not only that but investigators looked into it more and said he was at the hospital the same night for wounds to both of his hands okay um detective essex said david was approached wednesday evening by investigators who were out looking for possible witnesses looking for additional surveillance video because they already found the one of the guy rolling her down the road they were looking for more they needed more now the detective said david was recognized by investigators as the man who was wanted for questioning and once back at the precinct david allegedly made incriminating statements about her murder April 27th, 2022, last year, David Bonola was arrested and charged with murder, criminal tam tampering in the first degree, and criminal possession of a weapon in the fourth degree. David not only committed this vicious act, but he tried to blame Orshalia for her death. And this is why I went kind of ranting about, don't you dare say that I'm blaming the victim. I only went over the affairs because it's kind of important as to why he killed her. It's motive, okay? Per NewYorkPost.com, NYPost, after his arraignment on the murder charges, he told detectives, she was cheating on me, per Queen's Supreme Court filing documents. Now, I don't know how he thinks that he was getting cheated on, okay? Because the only one getting cheated on was the husband. And she was talking to four other men and was cheating on her husband. Which, whatever. But he was getting cheated on. Blew my mind. Anywho, he also stated, she gave me HIV. And that's what he told police on the April 20th during his interrogation or questioning. He also said, quote, she lied to me. She used me. She told me that she loved me. She couldn't be with one person. He also claimed, quote, she took a phone call from another guy, and she said she was going to go see him. And, of course, this was out without him specifying when. Now, he also said that made me angry. I couldn't accept it. It turned out her cause of death was not only stabbing, but jealousy. He's the one that followed her home that night from the bar when she went to go meet someone, waited 40 minutes and left. He was stalking her. Now you know why I went through that whole nine, 10 minute of spiel in the beginning of the podcast because, you know, actions have consequences. And, you know, 
his actions are going to have consequences, luckily. But sometimes these people don't get caught. Like, they can get away with murder sometimes. And it's mind-blowing to me. Now, my thing is, is like, he was obviously stalking her for him to know that she was off to a bar to meet another man. And, like, he was going through her phone. This is just all um, uh, speculation. Let me just throw that out there. All speculation. But from my mind, I'm like, he went on her phone. He was stalking her. Like, how would he know that if he wasn't? Now, police never really said, oh, he's stalking. But I tell you why he's stalking her a little bit later. And you'll, you'll have your own opinion. Okay. I'll read the facts for you and you can decide yourself. His actions are going to have consequences, thankfully. Now, um, he said, quote, I knocked on her door. She opened the door, asked me what I was doing there. I told her that I just wanted her to tell me the truth about why she gave me HIV and she said she didn't have HIV. He said that she told him their affair was over done zippo he said quote i grabbed the knife or excuse me excuse me she grabbed a knife and told him to leave her house or she would kill him this is when he grabbed the knife and cut her neck apparently is what he told police quote she kept fighting and we fell she was moving trying to grab me so i stabbed her in the neck to get her to stop attacking me Ugh. The words I have for this man. Yes. So apparently she threatened him and she was like, I'm going to kill you if you don't get out of my house. Miss 114 pounds versus however big this man is. Okay. Apparently it's her fault is what he's saying to police during his interrogation questioning on the 20th. He then allegedly cleaned up the house with paper towels or towels and put her in her son's hockey duffel bag. Like, that kid is never going to look at hockey the same. Ever. Now, of course, you know, she was then dumped less than a mile from her own home. He also said, quote, In the past, she told me that she had sent him in to jail, so I sent a message to her husband pretending to be that guy because I was scared. I took her laptop because... She had sex videos on the laptop. I threw her laptop in the Hudson River where I used to visit her. Now, let me just say, some reports say she was dismembered in that duffel bag. Some say she was just viciously stabbed. Either way, horrific and senseless. Period. Horrific and senseless. I don't know what, you know, possessed this man to become so obsessed with her. You know, obsession is not something that people choose. Sometimes it's just like a brain thing. Um, other times it's an obsession with people not wanting to let go. You know, like, no, you're mine. You can't have no, you know, it's, it's, it's a thing. Now, not so surprising information that I found out about how David is just a freaking creep and a stalker, okay? He was known as a stalker of women around Queens. And I don't know if she didn't know this or didn't hear this or maybe she chose to overlook it. I'm not really sure. 
but per, per the NewYorkPost.com, yet again, NYPost.com, he was actually a married man himself, okay? He even had two kids. <laughs> he was creepy, and I tell you why. He used to leave creepy love notes for baristas at his local Starbucks. Have you ever had that one creepy customer that just won't leave you alone? You're so beautiful. Why are you working here? Oh my God. Uh, let me take you out for dinner. That whole crap, that's what he was doing to all these baristas. Now, David was a regular at the Austin Street coffee shop in Forest Hills. He left female staffers so terrorized by his advances. Like, they were just startled. They were so scared at some points they called the police numerous times, mind you. Okay, and that was per a former worker of that same coffee shop. Quote, he would come up to us and ask us for coffees and tell us that we looked pretty and make comments about how we look. And that was former barista Olivia, who was 21. Um, she also said, quote, he was creepy. He stalked people. It was known. Everyone knew he was a weird individual, especially in the Starbucks on Austin Street. And she worked there for like three years before quitting. Okay, so she, she saw the whole thing. Now, his estranged wife and children also lived in Queens and how they didn't um, I, again, I'm not blaming the, the wife of him, but uh, men can, anybody, men, women, can have double lives, you know, whatever. But my thing is, like, if they're younger kids, which I could not find, um, if they're younger kids, you think you'd be like, where's my husband? You know what I mean? Like, unless he's doing the whole, oh, I'm working late kind of thing, whatever. Nobody knows. That one kind of bugged me that I couldn't find any information about what his wife thought, what she noticed, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, we have no other side of the story. It's just, you know, police facts and his facts. And I kind of wish we knew what the wife noticed. You know what I mean? Anywho, now, according to police sources, um, he would also drop in the tip jar love notes and songs that he would make about the baristas. He even went as far as proposing to two of them which is super unsettling because of how weird the interactions were. Now, he was at a coffee shop multiple times a week, always ordered the same items, a dark roast pour over a lemon loaf or a banana nut loaf. Now, that's what a former worker said. In between his cups of joe, the 40-40-year-old would frequently proposition female workers, handing them a note and a piece of jewelry as he asked them to be with him. Once he wrote a love letter and put it in a tip jar for one of the co-workers and then wrote her name on his headphones, which he wore while sitting in the cafe facing towards the register for her to plainly see. Like, it was just creepy. You're a 44-year-old man. Leave these little girls alone. Go somewhere else. Go back to your house. Like, they were just, they were disgusted and appalled by his behavior. Now, the Richmond Hills residents uh, who works as uh, the heating and air conditioning repairman would also ask the staffers personal questions such as their ages, birthdays, where they lived, and school. Like, hey, where'd you go to school? It was just a little bit too much. It was a little bit too much personal information questions that you should never ask random people that you don't know, okay? Unless you're trying to get to know them 
on a consensual level. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. She also said, quote, I'm speechless that it was him after all the creepy incidences that happened and how unsettling he made everyone feel, especially the females and I worked with them. And even the customers in the lobby is crazy to think about. Now, frequently, the baristas would call the police for assistance, but by the time they arrived, he was gone. So they took down reports and left. And that's what the women said at the, the coffee shop. Now, an NYPD spokesperson said that there are harassment complaints on file for the location, but nothing that matches her claims. So somebody did not do their job, period. Somebody didn't do their job. Um, you know, you, you can only do so much. And that goes back to what I was saying in the intro of the podcast. You can only do so much as to trying to help yourself and others. Um, it is up to our officers and our offices to make sure that they do their part to 110%. Not 50%, not 20, 110%. Make sure tracks are covered, reports are done, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it's very, very important. And unfortunately, some people can't handle their job. Now, David, let me tell you, this is also interesting. He came from Mexico about 21 years ago or more now, considering this was about two years ago. Um, he had aspirations to be a filmmaker, and he claimed to be a student at the New York School of Interior Design, which, according to police in his Facebook profile, is what he said both ways, right? They talked to the college, and the Post news article um, <laughs> was told he was never here. He doesn't attend this college. I don't know what you're talking about. In the spring of 2020, and this gave me just like, oh, I was nauseous because I personally went and looked for these comments as well, and I screenshotted them today, posted them on Instagram. They're still there from two years ago. In the spring of 2020, he commented on several photos of Orshalia's Facebook page, calling her the most beautiful woman and loving on multiple posts. Now, when I looked, I could only find two, and it was two photos. One was like this little song title or something, and one was saying, uh, didn't say anything, actually. It was like a Christmas tree and some hearts. I don't really know um, what he was trying to convey in that, but whatever. Um, it was just creepy when you go and look at it, now that you know what happened and why. Now, um, not to mention, back to the Mexico thing, he's here illegally. Um, at the time he murdered Orshalia. So, <laughs> yeah, just another, another thing of people not doing their jobs. Now, uh, some other disturbing facts about David is a chilling YouTube channel he had per thesun.com. And while it was unearthed, it contained hundreds of videos about violent crimes as well as tricks for picking up women. The channel curated thousands of videos into playlists, including 754 clips regarding rape, murder, and kidnaps in the Big Apple. Okay. One of the videos featured concerned the stabbing death of a college student, Tessa Majors, who was killed in a robbery in 2019, as well as the fatal stabbing of a good Samaritan who was killed while trying to break up a knife fight in Brooklyn. A news report about a death of a sex therapist, Amy Harwick, the ex-fiance of actor Drew Carey, 
was also shared on the channel. Harwick was allegedly killed by a stalker ex she had attempted to get a restraining order taken out against. Again, it all goes back to if they do their job. Now, a playlist named Interesting featured an informational video regarding the functionality of an AK-47 assault rifle. Countless videos centered on themes of sex and dating, including clips from so-called pickup artists who reveal tips on how to win a woman back who no longer wants to be with you. One playlist contained over 200 videos in the same clip called Seven Mindsets That Attract Women Like Crazy. Also, one of the video's description read, quote, by owning these mindsets along with the course of having pick up fundamentals, you basically become unstoppable with women. And I'm gonna call BS on that. So any men who are watching these videos, no. Just no, uh, that no, it doesn't work. We're not dumb and these little pickups, these little informational tips and tricks, they don't work. Just, just saying, throwing that out there. Now, other videos in the playlist include three older guy attraction tips that will attract all women, how to be instantly irresistible, and how to get a girlfriend, even if she's not interested in you at first. There were even videos that contained sexually graphic tips and tricks, such as three ways to please a girl in bed, dirty moves to try, and how to go down on a woman. Yeah, so he, um, he was trying super duper duper hard to get Orshaya back. Um, you know, he was a creep and unfortunately she fell victim to that. Like I said, I don't really know if she knew about his past as far as like stalking other women, harassing other women, being a freaking creepo. Like we really don't know. Um, you know, now in the trial, which happened November 2022. So David did get sentenced to prison. Now his sentence did not, you know, taste good in my palate uh, when reviewing this case because in November 2022, he accepted a plea deal and received 25 years in prison. Yes, 25 years in prison for brutally murdering a woman who he was stalking and was obsessed with. And not only does he get out around 69 to 70 years old, he gets to be babysat for five years post-release. So somebody gets to babysit him for five years after he's released just to make sure he's a good boy. Can you tell I'm irritated? <laughs> and that was per NBCNewYork.com. Like this man, He's 44 when this happened. He's going to get out 69, 70 years old. There is no age limit on rape and murder and stalking and obsession. There's no age limit. And I tell you who I'm going to compare this man to, okay? In my opinion, he has the mindset that's about the same way. Albert Fisher. Do you remember this man who molested, ate, and raped little boys? And this man was 70 to 80 years old. There is no age limit unless they are like handicapped, severely handicapped. I, you know, no age limit to me in my mind whatsoever. Now, District Attorney Melinda Katz said, quote, this is a brutal killing and no amount of prison time can bring the victim back to her loved ones. 
Today's sentencing, however, provides a measure of justice. I hope the victim's family can rest easier knowing that the person responsible was held fully accountable, which I am going to call BS on because 25 years is not being held accountable. That, to me, is like time out. I could just be biased, but I feel like that's just a time out. You know, they're going to they're gonna try to see what his behavior's like. I couldn't tell if he's going to have possibility of parole. I, I mean, obviously you would think not, but heck, with that sentence, you never know. Um, couldn't find anything about it. No updates since then. So, as far as I can see, though, Arshalia was cremated the week of April 26, 2022, per a news article. Um, and from what I can see on Howard's Facebook page, the kids and him are living together in harmony in the house still um they did not move from what i can tell they still have the dog teddy who was orshalia's beloved little dog who she took everywhere and they go to concerts he works hard traveling for his work the kids do their thing school college bar mitzvah uh they did have a bar mitzvah um i know orshalia was planning it but they finally did it um, they also did have a memorial service for family and friends on YouTube, May 16, 2022. You can look under the name Remember Orshalia, and you can hear her sister, the husband, and Jamie, which is their oldest son, speak about Orshalia, the memories together, what she brought to life for them, what they remember, etc., etc. Um, it's, a, it's a very, very nice little remembrance video that you guys can watch. Now, uh, per my research, after that remembrance video and the flower service, couldn't find anything else of what they're doing for, it, of how they remember her. They probably just do it in silence or in their own privacy of walls, which is fine. Not everybody has to have a garden planted after them once they, you know, pass away. Um, they just doing their own thing, which respectfully so. So at the end of the day, um, I just want to take a little pit stop by stop victim blaming, you know, a uh, little bus stop over here and just say that Orshalia has been victim blamed a lot through headlines and news articles and private forums and whatever. And now medium.com is paywalled. Okay, let me just say that first. The headline that caught my eye was New York City Adulteress Murdered because when you cheat, you deserve what you get, right? And that's by Teresa J. Conaway, published in P.S. I Hate You. That was 2022, April 20th. Now, I cannot tell you 100% that this is a victim blame article, but the headline caught my eyeball. So, sorry, Teresa, if you were not victim blaming, I'm not claiming that you are in no way, shape, or form. Let me just say that first and foremost. I just used it as an example because there has been a lot of headlines saying, eh, she was a cheater. Like, what does it matter? You know, like, she deserved it. Oh, nobody deserves to be stabbed 60 times and stuffed into a freaking hockey bag, drugged down the road four blocks, and left there. Nobody deserves that. I don't care if you cheat, if you have five boyfriends. I don't care. <laughs> it's insane to me. And then I found some other articles saying, you know, the whole, if she was a black woman, nobody would even know. Or It's just one of those things, guys. It's like, at some point in time, we're going to have to start blaming the people who are the problem. 
And the problem is these, these people, whether it be men or women, who have problems and they're not charged with anything. Like the barista stuff, okay? The barista stuff should have been noted properly, documented properly, reported properly, and looked into. If they were looked into, they would have been like, hey, he is here illegally. Let's get ICE involved. That could have saved her. You know, like, nobody really thinks about this stuff. And like I said a million times throughout this episode, just because you report it doesn't mean anything's going to be done. So make sure you're aware of your surroundings 24-7. It's tiring. And as women, it's just something we have to do, unfortunately. Whether it's from other women, other men, however you identify, just be aware of your surroundings. Because not only does it happen to women, it happens to men, it happens to children. It's just, unfortunately, the way of the world. So, that's just one thing that I wanted to go over. Also, please know your statistics about stalking. Um, Like I said in the beginning of the podcast, I pretty much broke down everything online that I found from thehotline.org to tell you how to... A breakaway, how to stay safe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It is up to you to take action for yourself and make sure that you remain safe or your friends or your family remain safe. It's up to you. Now, I will say stalking is a crime under the law of all 50 states, the District of Columbia, the U.S. territories, and the federal government. It is a crime everywhere. How it is defined varies per state. So make sure you look up the definition of stalking in your state if you are having issues. Also, to note, before I lose my voice here, victims usually know their stalker. 75% of stalking victims know their stalker. 66% of women stalking victims were stalked by current or former intimate partners. Stalking too often turns deadly, which we did not go over earlier 76 percent of women murdered by an intimate partner were first stalked 85 percent of women who survived murder attempts were stalked first 54 percent of women reported stalking to the police before they were killed by their stalkers one in six women have experienced stalking in their lifetime and one in 17 men also have experienced stalking in their lifetime So if you or someone you know is going through this issue, whether you think it's small or big, it is never too late to try to help yourself or help others and call 1-800-799-SAFE. That is 1-800-799-7233. Go online to thehotline.org and chat live or text START to 88788. And I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast and stay safe. Well, guys, that's 
all for today's episode. Make sure you tune in bi-weekly. We are every other Monday for another riveting case where I will traumatize you more than you probably already are. <laughs> so thank you for listening. Uh, don't forget to check out the Instagram at morbid period curiosity period TC podcast for photos related to each case that I cover. Feel free to send me spooky crazy stories or case suggestions at morbidcuriositytcpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate the podcast on Spotify and Apple Pod or whatever you're listening to us on. Um, I do appreciate all you spooky listeners. Please stay kind, stay spooky, and for the love of God, don't murder anyone. <laughs>